The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Recapping results, reacting to news, and looking ahead to UFC 247. Let's do this. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom and this is work you can find over on mmajunkie.com but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're going to do today tonight whenever you're listening to this um it'll definitely be before the fights because uh ufc 247 uh, seven doesn't start you know until february 8th it's being recorded here on the 31st of january friday i know i said thursday but uh as you can tell from my voice, man, I got, I got, I'm not getting sick, but uh, just the wind kicked up and the weather's been kind of crazy, and uh, I didn't take my allergy stuff yesterday, and uh, I paid for it. Um, that being said, we're gonna jump right into uh, some, you know, we're gonna brush right over, the, you know, they're uh, they've gone cold, the leftovers, of course, from UFC Rally and Bellator 238, but we will recap the results, albeit poor ones, at least from my perspective, right? Um, and uh, tease and look ahead to UFC 248. Um, after that, I will be uh, getting to your submissions and transitions. We actually got some questions this time as opposed to the last couple times, which I got none, which, <laughs> again, I appreciate you all support, and the podcast isn't going anywhere, but uh, part of that. But, man, I will be honest, though, you know, drawn empty in, as far as uh, interaction definitely, definitely was... Uh, <laughs> Wasn't helping my decision to want to want to put postpone this bad boy. Hopefully that will be changed in the future. As hopefully not only do you guys participate more because I love hearing from you and it's let's be honest, it's probably better you guys help direct the ship than let old Dan Tom get behind the steering wheel. It's like even though even though um I I hardly if ever uh, drink while I do these. Uh, I know I did I, I would you know partake in the earlier episodes, but uh. Don't do that anymore. But still, even with even when I'm sober, it's like you know, it's still pretty much leaving like your drunk out, you know, your drunk uncle at the steering wheel. So hopefully you guys uh, participate more, and I will try to be making that easier on my end. But not only being more consistent and trying to make a better product, but of course, the move to YouTube, which we made some major moves yesterday. That also took up my day. So not just personal stuff, stuff that will hopefully uh, affect you and the podcast in a positive way. Although not my pocketbooks, oh boy, oh boy. Um, that being said, uh, just you know, I, I don't want to plug the uh, 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 overplug the donation link, but there was a shout that I uh, I don't know if I forgot to give or it came in after the fact. But uh, just listen to Ryan Connery. Uh, I don't want to blow up uh, his spot and 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 or anything like that. But it was it was it was it was more than generous. Again, if you guys give me a, a dollar. That's fine. In fact, if you give me zero dollars, but you like share the podcast or give it a five star rating and review or tell a friend, like that's honestly even the best thing you can do. But when you go above and beyond, like Ryan, I, I really wanted to give him a shout. I've interacted with him before on Twitter. Uh, seems like a kind guy, and I really, really appreciate that. Um, also, just shouts to Jujitsu. I, I didn't forget about you, Drew. I'm trying to get you that Biggie song that I used on here, uh, probably like. 50 or so episodes ago, and uh, I may or may not have gotten it in uh, <clears throat> Not Above Board Way, Drew. 
um, and which was making which made it sending kind of tricky. So I gotta take the time to re-engineer that, and I'll send you that file so you can have that song. I didn't forget about you, buddy. Uh, also, before we push on to the results and the rest of the podcast, which by the way, um, I, I'll, I'll probably be just talking about a couple other things. Uh, you know, uh, news notes that, that that happened through the week uh, to help fill the questions. But yeah, before we get to those, I just want to give a shout to the guys over uh, at Between the Links, which is on the Loudmouth MMA Podcast Network. Of course, hosted by Mike Heck with regulars like Keith Schilling, Craig Allen, and uh, John Franklin, who was on the show uh, with me. And and it's always a good time with uh, those guys. Um, it, was, it was a fun episode this week. Uh, I think I actually won. It was. I mean, it was. It's a bit controversial. If you listen to the episode, you can judge for yourself. I felt like Robert Whitaker walking away from the second fight with Uriel Romero. If you know what I mean. Shouts to Keith Schilling uh, there. But uh, always fun chopping it up with those guys. I'll, I, you know, and, and bookmark that because uh, you can call me out for uh, hypocrisy. Because uh, when, when I when I lean into saying that I don't like certain forms of media, well, maybe I might not like argumentative media or talking head formats or any however you want to frame it. Um, but man, do I have fun with those dudes and those dudes do a great job. So go ahead and give them a follow and check out their program. All right. Uh, USC rally results five minutes in. Yeah, I did. I did terrible on this one. Let's, um, let's see how, uh, well, oh, and one, uh, one and one, two and one, three and one, three and two, four and two, five and two. Six and two, Jamal. <laughs> Seven and two. Eight and two. Eight and three. Nine and three. I mean, I, that, that's not bad. Nine and three in picks. It's like, again, this is why analysis is different than betting. And shouts to, to all the, the – and Twitter's full of them. You don't need me to shout them, uh, or you don't need to go very far to find them. But, but shouts to those grinders there who, who do well for themselves. <laughs> because, again, not that I claim to be anything, which is another reason why I, I keep – to keep my shit free. <laughs> but um, I appreciate you guys stopping over for analysis. I will stand behind that and do stand behind that. But technical analysis and fight picks and uh, more fight gambling, MMA gambling, different things. They are different things. You can do well in picks and literally go oh f- for everything in your parlays, props, and straight plays like old Dan Tom did between two cards. <laughs> Curtis Blades, of course, defeated Junior DeSantis by TKO punches. Uh, you know, was calling for Blades to win by TKO. Did not see it, not so much in the second round, even though I called the third or fourth. But yeah, standing, and most people didn't. But yeah, the uh, the old wrestling making your striking better. And this card kind of ended and started on similar notes. So we'll get there with the old grappler uh, knocking out the striker standing. Michael Chiesa defeated Rafael Dos Anjos. Man, did I eat it hard on this one. And I, I just hate it, too, because I hate picking against Chiesa because he's won me over. He really is such a nice guy, yet I can't stop picking against him in public, so he probably thinks I'm, like, the biggest douche, which is fine. But, you know, it just sucks because he really – I, I keep getting burned on picking against him as well. And I really thought this was a good matchup for Rafael Dos Anjos. But Michael Chiesa, I think he's now, like, 6-0 and against UFC Southpaws. And the hilarious thing is, like, striking has nothing to do with those wins. And even with Chiesa's improved form, and I'm not trying to take away anything from his wins. Here, again, I like Chiesa. But, like – I didn't see like I still haven't seen like vast improvements in his striking, and he's quietly been fighting for quite some time now. So it's like, and I'm not shitting on him. I'm just saying that's amazing that he's doing so well in same stance matchups, and um, it has nothing to do with his striking. Yeah, six and zero against southpaws. Wow, 
Rafael de Sainz, I think now five and four, and I guess stylistically was should have been easier to see. I forget who I was talking to on Twitter. Might have been Nushan, um, but uh, uh, from the uh, MMA analysis there. But uh, I think I was just like, yeah, I, I just underestimated. He was talking about Kiesa's size, and it kind of everybody was r- rightfully so. But I was just saying, like, it's funny, man. Like, you know, and I even referenced uh, shouts to Gorgeous George, who you know calls Michael Kiesa light heavyweight. He's been calling him that since we've been interviewing him in his lightweight days. Um, so it's not like I didn't know. Like, I'm one of the few who's seen him up close in scale multiple times. Like, it's like, how did you forget how big he was, Dan? And then not just forget that, but just also underplayed how big of a factor it could have been. And and, and, and I believe it was. Um, I saw my dude over there, Connor Rebush, posting. A, I know he's a big RDA fan, saying, how, you know, worried that he might be shot and certain things. I got to watch it again, but... Uh, you know, I can sympathize with his worry, but I also don't want to take away from Kiesa's win. And it did a, did a, did a, a smart call out. I don't know if he'll get it, but uh, man, am I interested? And am I going to think th- not twice? Because I always think twice. I'll think thrice uh, before picking against Michael Kiesa. Alex Perez defeated Jordan Espinoza. Technical submission, arm triangle choke. I don't. I, I forget this. How do I? Was I balls deep in pizza? What was going on? <laughs> I forgot about this fight. Angela Hill, of course, uh, Hannah Cyphers, like I, like I called there, the elbows uh, were going to be a quite a weapon at range. Um, Jamal, Jamal, bolt the door if you're coming in. Uh, defeated Darko Stosic, a unanimous decision. Um, I don't remember much from this, but um, yeah, sorry guys. Bevan Lewis defeated Dequan Townsend. I think I was kind of checked out for the... I mean, I was running around with the dogs. There was a transitionary period and some food around this time. Plus, you had the bell tour going on as well. So, um, apologies. Again, we were going to blow through these anyways. Arnold Allen defeated Nick Lentz. Um, you think I would have been glued to my screen for this one between the plays and just the fun matchup and all the nicks and knacks that went with it. But I, I didn't watch it too close. Uh, I just seemed like Arnold Allen was just, you know, uh, piecing him up at boxing range, using footwork and some southpaw styling on him. So, good on Arnold Allen. Um and especially for the parlay piece, which you know ended up, uh, Michael Kiesa sunk that battleship. But the other two pieces hit, I guess, for whatever the hell that is worth. Justin Keish defeated Lucia Pujolova. Uh, happy to see Justin Keish win. You know, happy to see her succeed. Um, I know I, I poke fun at her, and God knows the rest of the world does after um, that OKC card. But yeah, man, she seems like a just a super likable gal. So happy for her. Montel Jackson, girl, if it's all right. It's Montel Jackson, not Jordan Dan. Let's go somewhere and get it on. Sorry. <laughs> that was the jam. Like, you know, no, Dan, we don't because we're not fucking old. Um, <laughs> women's Bantamweight. Sarah Machman defeated Lena Landsbergen. Lena Landsbergen didn't run away with your money, but she kind of did, even in defeat, because. She's just made at least people like me scared to bet against her. In hindsight, uh, I forget who I was talking to. I probably won't say it just I don't want to out them. Uh, was saying, and but I agree with them, um, and I know they listen, so I agree with you. It, yes, Sarah McMahon was probably the, the biggest hindsight play uh, for that line. Um, but, you know, Lena Lonsbergen did her job in scaring us away even in defeat. All right, Brett Johns defeated Tony Gravely. Um yeah, I mean, congrats if you got that Brett John's dog money because I didn't think it should have dipped. I, I, I like the initial line. Um, and uh, just, yeah, I mean, just, just the submission threat, the grinding, not stopping. Um, that one kind of went as planned, but 
again, not, it's not taking away Tony, Tony Gravely. He, I still really high on his prospects, and hopefully gets you know uh, booked into some fun action fight. Uh, Herbert, not that Herbert Dan Herbert Burns defeated Nate Lanva. More like Nate Land, wherever you listen to me talk. I got shorts every fucking color. <laughs> Dan, stop quoting that movie. Not everybody is fucking. That is Nico Price's role. Um, by the way, it's put the Florida Man title up for, for grabs. I, I've seen Nico Price tweeting that he wants a fight out there. Nate Lanva. Oh, man, was I wrong on this one? I know. You don't bet with your heart, kid. That was an amateur move. You got swung by Lanway with your bias to it. Covered him in a style. You walk right into the honey trap, Gilbert. Gilbert Burns swatted your son. That's tr Thank you, Joey Diaz, or evil Joey Diaz, whoever the fuck I was doing there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, that, was, that was what happened. A rookie mistake, and, and uh, tough, tough to see for Lanway. Uh, good on Burns. Um, and uh, hope to see both of them back in fun matchups. But yeah, I hope Lanway... Um, it's tough. I was trying to, th trying to think of guys who get KO in their debut and still have even just like a, a Jim Miller-esque or Joe Lozon-esque career, you know, like an action fighter's career, not necessarily going to be world champion, but even at that, lowering the standards a bit, um, which again, these guys are all good as gold to me, so I'm not trying to diminish, but lowering the standards a bit, it, it's still hard to think about. Hit me at, um, at, at Dan Tom MMA at the PYM Podcast if you think of any fighter who got KO'd in their UFC debut and went on to have some modicum of success. That's not necessarily a title. Let me know. All right, Bellator 238 also went down on the weekend, uh, which was, of course, headlined by um, Chris Cyborg, who took the title from Julia Budd. I actually picked it to happen um, by decision. Sorry, the... Um Results aren't pulling up. Of course, it was by a fourth round, I want to say, TKO. So uh, even though I was wrong there, you can kind of see why. Um, even though Julia Budd wasn't on her best, she was still durable and uh, provided uh, some static in places, even though Cyborg, like I initially forecasted, would be the one punctuating the exchanges. All right. How do you guys do your results? I don't know. You guys can't just do regular results, can you? Nobody can. Even when I type in wiki or without, Bellator 238 results. Too much to ask, you motherfuckers. All right. Sorry, guys. I mean to do this on air, but it's just uh, I thought I had the tab pulled up. There we go. There we go. A good old MMA junkie. Yep, that was fourth round TKO, so... Yeah, I guess we kind of saw why they're the legitimate win. God damn. I can't believe I, I shouts to Aaron Brownstetter. Thanks for having me on his pre-show where we talked both Bellator and UFC on the old Periscope. And uh, I had someone up in my uh, mentions, and I, I should have lit them up, but it's not really my style. Um, even with stuff we'll get to later, I, I pretty much kept it within thread. I'm, I don't really need that, you know. I don't really need to bury someone else to get get some some likes on my end, but um, some dude was just like, dude, Julia Budd wouldn't even be top five in UFC. And I don't know why I kind of gave him a southern twang there. <laughs> I love my southern brothers and sisters. I don't know why I gave the troll southern twang, but he was just like, yeah. And I'm like, what the? F and of course, he sounds like that, right? Like you know, Dan. Um, but uh, <laughs> hey, I went easy on the guy. Okay, I can make fun of him on my rinky dink fucking seven listener podcast. But like. 
I was just like, you realize there's like not even like five people in like the UFC's featherweight division, and you're saying she wouldn't be top five, and you realize she actually holds a win over um, one of the only champions to hold gold in that small featherweight division in Duran Duran. I mean, you do realize that. You do realize she was the only person to beat Drina Carano, the first female star, uh, who Cyborg, of course, would later beat, of course, uh, in Muay Thai. But yeah, Julia Budd, no, she not. She hasn't lost before this since 2011, like 11 or 13 fight winner. Yeah, she would. She wouldn't be top five. <laughs> if Julia Budd was a bantamweight, she would have been top five. Uh, she would, she, you know, maybe not ranked initially coming in, but uh, I, I think she would have found a way to that top five if she was hypothetically a bantamweight. So that was a silly comment. Darian Caldwell defeated Adam Borix. I was wrong on this one, man. Took a shot on Borix. Don't regret it. But, man, did Darian Caldwell quiet it, you know? Um, and I know I went not hard, but I did, you know, use the crux example there as far as that Darren Stewart, Darren Wynn, you know, which you could actually even use the Caldwell's fights against Horiguchi as far as if you can be a high-level wrestler, but when you get to the higher levels and you're not, submitting or ground and pounding people meaningfully and haven't developed your striking meaningfully, which is even a gambit in itself when you already have the wrestling right, and that's another argument, you can run into trouble, which we were starting to see Darian Caldwell start to do. However, I did say in the breakdown, I'm not. that doesn't mean Darian Caldwell can't finish. He clearly can finish. He's finished early before, but he's going to have to show he can do it early again. Otherwise, Borks was going to take over. He didn't allow Borks to take over. And... Um, even though I'm trying to give myself a modicum of credit there, he ultimately proved people picking against him wrong and uh, showed why he was the favorite, Darian, the initial, initial favorite, and the deserved favorite uh, in Darian Caldwell. So uh, he also re-sparked interest as he continues to be undefeated at Featherweight. Of course, he started his career uh, there for people unaware. Juan Archuleta defeated Henry Corrales in a very... Um, uneventful fight. It reminded me of kind of like Trinaldo... Versus, uh, people are screaming right now, Alexander Hernandez, um, where, you know, I want to give it to the guy pressuring who is throwing more meaningful shots, um, than the guy, you know, kind of resting on his laurels on the outside, assuming the judges are counting his little like leg kicks and little touches and whatnot for the most part. I didn't watch this super closely. This is just kind of what I gathered from double screening folks, so... I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not digging my heels into the ground, which we'll get to because apparently that's the only way to respond and have opinions these days. You have to be on one side or the other, folks. Um, no, no room for nuance. <laughs> no room for gray. Uh, but uh, from what I saw, it reminded me of that fight, and I kind of was leaning toward Henry Corrales. Um, but I understand this isn't the Diego Sanchez era where you can just come forward and win fights, and nor should it be. Um, that being said, it's just it's hard to really get mad or be for anyone too hard on either side. Again, I know we always got to be on one side or the other, folks. But really, for this kind of a fight, I think a lot of us can agree on that. I don't think that's too controversial thing to say. Um, yeah, uh, Sergio Pettis defeated Alfred uh, Kishakian. Uh, submission guillotine choke. Raymond Daniels defeated Jason King and TKO. Didn't watch this. Emily King ruined my Bellator for fun favorite parlay um, by defeating uh, Ava Knight by submission. Huh? Keep trying to build up these girls with like limited striking experience, but enough to call them a striker, I guess. And I'm not trying to shit on Knight. I, I don't know, but it's just what it seems like from the outside. And it's like we're it's like it's like a. Uh, it's like the Challenger light, you know? And it just keeps... Keep fucking up on takeoff. Wow. 
Too soon? <laughs> Very challenging joke, guys. <laughs> no, Dan, we don't know what it is because you're an old fuck. Okay, moving on. Um, not much to talk about aside from Aaron Pico defeating Daniel Carey, who, again, who's upsetted guys before. wasn't a nobody. Um, AJ Agazarm defeated uh, Adele Alt- Altamini. I always want to root for Adele with his story. But uh, good on AJ, who immediately stepped his talking back up after this one. But, hey, good on him. Uh, Curtis Melender got back in the win column via unanimous decision as well as Chris uh, Avila, um, majority decision. Uh, I think there was an issue with one of those decisions, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, So before we get to uh, the rest of these uh, topics and your topics 20 minutes in, we're just going to tease ahead looking at 247. Uh, I was having some uh, DM conversations about this already because I've just been balls deep in the main event. I haven't really gotten too much into the rest of the card. I have some leans, but... We'll just look at see where the odds are at now, and we'll come back next week and see what they're at when we uh, do our breakdown podcast. Maybe Thursday, but we'll hopefully we'll try to shoot for Wednesday. Yep, uh, John Jones still sitting as a heavy favorite, minus 450, plus 360, Dominic Reyes. Reyes is a live dog here. Um, doesn't mean I'm picking him, folks. But he, he is very, very, very live, you know, for, for me, just, you know, uh, just some basic notes. I, um, I may or may not have not settled on an official pick yet, um, as of this still. Um, but you know, essentially the key for not Reyes, but really anybody, um, with John Jones is countering kicks and, and keeping him in prolonged kickboxing matches. That's kind of been the key, right? Um, Jones has since developed his boxing, his range game and his clinch game have always um, been his strong points. And of course he holds court on the ground over most people. I mean, even going back to watch his early fights, just watching his lever awareness. I mean, it's just amazing. I wish he grappled more. Um, and we'll probably talk about his trends, uh, his overall grappling trends and, and my speculations about those trends perhaps next week. Um, but I will give you that I'm not, quite sold at this moment that he's going to get Dominic Reyes down or will be able to hold him down in a meaningful way. And as good as John Jones is, I don't know if, you know, he's going to be able to take advantage of Don Reyes as turtling out and, and taking his back. I feel like Chris Weidman has a better chance of doing that move. Not, not a better chance of submitting, beating, or finishing Reyes. Obviously, I picked against him and we saw what happened. But as far as stylistically goes, um, again, once you get up to light heavyweight, Chris Weidman being a natural light uh, middleweight, um, but middleweight and above is where you really see jumping back takes, transitional back takes go down a big notch. Um, but it's always been countering kicks in victory or defeat, or, well, actually, in victory or victory, easy victory or hard victories, short fights or long fights. What is the common thread? Jones is, has his arms around his corner, man, and he's just always limping off that damn battlefield. Um, and you can only, I mean, aside from you can only gamble in MMA without getting touched and you can only be undefeated so long without being touched. Um, forget those, which are absolutely live and at play. You can only run that gambit of fucking with those bony ass legs for so long. Um, 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 you know, see Anderson Silva, but yeah, so that's going to be really interesting if, um, if he gives Dominic Reyes that fight. Um, I'm curious to see if he fights smart. Again, I've said it before, my favorite John Jones performance, one of his most impressive ones, in my opinion, is the Glover Teixeira fight. 
Um, and uh, I think that game plan would behoove him here. And again, I'll get more into that in the breakdown next week. So we'll see where I end up. But uh, got a feeling here. And um, as I'm into the Dominic Reyes portion or entering into it, may or may not be now. We'll see if certain things line up. But but yeah, John Jones is the deserved favorite. I don't think he should be quite that high. Um, I do think he should be a moderate favorite. And moderate, in my definition, is like minus 250, 300 range or minus 200 to 300 range. Um, again, we can we all like to hold on to definitions. What we think of the definition of the world, we're take one angle of it and hold on to it dearly. But, but that's how I, I am referencing it. I'm referencing it very loosely, folks. I'm not holding it. To any highness, like the Valentina Shevchenko line, which is minus 1135. Caitlin, choo 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 Kagan, plus 725. My goodness. Yeah. I can pretty much give away who I'm going to pick in that fight, but yeah, anytime you see these women's odds, it's just. Ugh. I mean, Shevchenko, and, and perhaps in this matchup, I, 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 I can't say I'm surprised, but you can't. You cannot agree, much less play those odds unless you're taking a shot on the dog. Um, I'll get into Caitlin Chukagian's possible path to victory, but needless to say, yeah, Chipchenko's favorite. Uh, Juan Adams holding is a two, minus 230 favorite. I got to go check out some inter interviews. I think he did a good one with James Lynch and some other people. I think he changed up to Jackson Link. Got to check that out. See where Justin Toff was at. I believe he's coming off of a brutal knockout. A little heavies there. Um, Mirsad Bektik still holding as a favorite over Dan Ige, plus 125. Um, Speaking of Dan's, I was joking with my my, my dude uh, Dan Levy over there on uh, half the battle was uh, was joking with him on uh, <laughs> back in Hawaiians. But uh, jokes aside, Mirsad Bektik um, always manages to impress. It's just can he hold it together? Chin cardio styling, fighting the right fight. And needless to say, I may or may not be leaning Ige. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, Derek Lewis holding as your favorite minus two seventy five earlier. Really the TV plus two thirty five. I can fuck with that. Wow. I always pick against Derek Lewis because I just don't get his game. But, like, this could be, like, this might be a time where uh, I might actually pick him, folks. Yeah, I'm leaning toward Derek Lewis. And as I say that, and especially if I end up picking him, you know Larry Latifi is going to fucking rise to the occasion and knock him out. Um, and Alir's not that big, or he's big, but he's not as, you know, uh, big as people think for as far as going to heavyweight goes, even though he fought there before. That being said, we've seen smaller heavyweights do well. And I always say this, like, Derek Lewis is big. He's like, Shaq, I'm so big. Oh, man. Why couldn't it have been Shaq? Oh, anyways. <laughs> Jesus, damn. Sorry, that's the worst I'm going to say. Uh, don't worry. I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a horrible thing. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I plan on uh, tying and attributing uh, later. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, Derek Lewis is big, but, like, he's not, like, that big. I mean, he's big, but he's, of course, fucking knocked the brains out of me and any other heavyweight. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like, go watch, like, 6'3 is, is pretty pretty, pretty big for a heavyweight, but, like, I feel like 6'4 and 6'5 and up is it should be the reserve for height-wise. And, yeah, he's wide, but it's not, like, chiseled. Like, go watch Derek Lewis's early fights. Like, he should be smaller. Like, he was doing, like, ninja arm bars against, like, Raheem Cleveland, you know, on the regionals and shit. And, like, he looks like a complete different dude, so... Um, it was back problems and, uh, you know, a little bit of work ethic maybe. Um, and the fact that he fights in that division, that allowed him to, to, to balloon. So it's, again, Derek Lewis will have, still have a meaning, a size advantage and a meaningful one at that. 
I'm just saying, I think we always kind of blow out of proportion how big Lewis is, no matter who he fights, I guess is the point there. Trevin Giles, minus 135. Antonio Arroyo, plus 115. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, process guy versus opportunistic guy, if I can remember off the top of my head, because I know I covered these contender series guys, but I forget them by the time of their first fight because the schedule is so crowded that we're not seeing them until the end of the year here or beginning of the year. And plus the Dunbar's number hold, Delio. Um which I know I'm not the only person that struggles with that. Anybody who like does is on this grind, like uh, shouts to Tom Feely over there, sure dog who does the previews over there. Um, yeah, you just tend to forget about these guys a lot, and no offense to them, guys and gals. Alex Moreno minus one thirty-five with uh, Kylan Williams money coming in on him, approaching fast minus one hundred five. Uh, Moreno's a a dog, a, a proven product, and not a proven winner, but I'm just saying we, we, we've seen his game. So I could see a lot of people always wanting to test him. If you see him as a favorite, I have not looked at Williams, so I haven't seen if that is just. But, yeah, there's movement there. We got movement. We got movement. <laughs> They're everywhere. Sorry, I watched Aliens the other night. Um, Andrea Lee, minus 340 over Lauren Murphy. Damn, why you always got a gritty voice for her? Plus 280. I'll be interested in looking at that one closer. Uh, I'm not saying that Lee won't be the picker. She doesn't deserve to be favored off the top of my head, but. Even that, you know, over three to one on that fight. I don't know about that. We'll see. I'm gonna look into it more. Miles Johns minus one thirty uh, contender series uh, stud Mario Bautista. He's a southpaw, but he's not. No, he's not. I'm thinking of Jonathan Martinez. I I, I, I don't. I get those two confused. Um, I'm not. Sh I'm sure Mario Bautista has fought since he got a short notice school by San Hagen. Um, but I gotta look into that fight. It's probably tight for a reason. Don't blame it. Those guys in those career. Hey, Journey Newsom's back, but he's a plus 120 dog to Domingo Polarte, who S the bed pretty hard last time, but the tall South Paul is gaining some respect at a minus 140. Um, I kind of like Journey Newsom's game. It reminded me of like one, like one of the new wave WEC guys at the time. That's a really weird reference, I know, but if you get it, great. Hey, speaking of... Of course they put the guys that confuse each other for in the same card. Jonathan Martinez is on the card. He is a... Underdog to Andre Uhl, minus 135. Really interesting there. Um, Jonathan Martinez could be very live there. Um, Southpaw and Southpaw matchups can mess up people, and uh, I feel like Jonathan Martinez, I want to say he's at lab, or yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he's at a Southpaw heavy camp, whereas Andre Uhl, I don't think he is at a big camp or a notable camp. I'm going to have to look into him. That being said, the southpaw killer is the left hand, whether it's a left hook from an orthodox or a left cross from a, a southpaw fighter. And Andre Ull loves him some left hand. So that, you know, who knows, maybe it could actually benefit the favorite, the southpaw for southpaw matchup. Be, be really interested looking toward uh, that. And then lastly, Houston, Texas. Um, Austin Lingo, minus 265. Yusuf Zalal, plus one. I have no clue who those guys are, so you'll have to tune in next week, next week, folks. So hopefully you dug that little preview that was about 10 minutes long. I didn't get too deep into there. Let's get to some topics, and we will get out of here. Um, let's let's do you first. Submissions in in transition. Um, two, two, two. First question comes from Kate at Tardis Blue seven two eight six. If you could change or add one rule to the unified rules, what would it be? Also, if you could remove one, which would it be? Um, really good question. Uh. I actually pulled this up, and uh, by the way, there's a rule like no, no, no attacking an opponent on or during the break 
um, I would adjust this one because, as you guys know, I'm very. I I I went on a, a bit of a, a a rant on it on Twitter, and I've talked about it before. I hate when people uh, don't understand, especially with the commentators, because they they can influence heavily the people's opinion that it's the referee's job, not the fighters, to separate at the break. So I don't feel like fighters should be penalized or criticized, which they do get both oftentimes uh, for it. The Tony Ferguson versus uh, Cerrone fight was infuriating. Uh, Big Dan tried to hang that on, on Ferguson, and, and he could have lost that fight if that strike would have went you know, a couple inches one way and the other, which was bullshit. Um, Jermaine Durandamy still getting shit for Holly Holm, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. So I would adjust that um, rule and make the onus and emphasis on the ref as it really is as far as the referees go. I'm going off of the UFC's uh, copy here. Um, and here's one I would, I would remove two. I'll give you two. Is using abusive language in the fighting area. I think that's bullshit. You know, uh, of course, we're all thinking about Nick Diaz right now. It's like, come on, let him talk. Also, not because of whether, regardless if you're a Nick Diaz fan or whether you're for or against it, but it's a redundancy because if you go two rules down uh, in the uh, unified rules is unsportsmanlike conduct that causes injury to opponent. I like that one. That one covers the trash talk. If the abusive language or anything, uh, you know, is leading to an injury or whatever, then somehow, then sure, stop talking. But if it's not leading to an injury, if the fighting is what is ultimately doing the talking, allow them to do that. They're only going to hurt themselves. Um, but here's the one I would really, I forgot that this was still a, a rule, but it, it was from the, it was from, it was one of those, like, you know, like they have those old laws and law books, you, 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 you'll realize, like, MMA is such a young sport that only now we're kind of getting these ones, and this is kind of from an older day. But I say fuck it. This is throwing an op- you, you cannot throw an opponent out of the ring slash fighting area. Um, I would remove that one as well, Kate, because like if you can physically throw your opponent outside of the ring, fucking you deserve <laughs> you deserve to do it. <laughs> so that was a good question. Um, second question was from uh, ah, listen to the podcast there, Chip or Metals who you can follow him at chips underscore war metals. Will you ever post any of your music from back in the day? Holy Jesus. Um, if you, you know, I'm sure if, if, if MySpace is still around, you look up a band night runs red, you can find some really embarrassing shit to hold over my head. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll post them. Um, I'll edit some here in the podcast. Um, maybe, uh, maybe I'll attach a, maybe I'll attach a, one of my band songs at the end or something for fun. Um, uh, this this episode or the next one, just for you, chips, or if anybody else um, wants some more fuel, as if you need as if you need more fuel or need to reach far to find something to make fun of me about. But <laughs> but yes, I'll, I'll I'll be sure to share that. Thank you guys for um, I know submissions in transition. I actually came up with that nifty nifty name like when I first started this podcast back in like 2017 or 2018, and I've not been consistent with it. So it's my fault for you guys. I will take the blame. Uh, for you guys, your, your your lack of questions. But that being said, I appreciate those of you who submit it, those of you who support. And uh, again, no shame, no no hurt feelings. Jump in next week, be heard. And uh, it doesn't even have to be about MMA. Although, like, I'm probably like the worst person to ask about relationship advice. But like, shit, I'll even take that. Let's let's let, let's keep it fun. Let's keep it light here. I mean, there's. <sighs> You'd think that this week, you know, we would take it with a week off in MMA. We 
we'd appreciate the stuff, but no, we're, we're, we're out here bickering against each other. And you think with uh, all the tragedies and whatnot uh, of recent and just reminders of health and stuff, that you think we'd be focused on more important things. But apparently we are not. We're still talking about um, Stephen A. Smith and some other things in the news. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of tie off my, my thoughts on this and some other things. I, I don't want to drag them on, but I, a lot of discourse has happened since um, I've talked to you guys last, even since I was on Between the Links on Monday. So, so yeah, basically I um, I stated my opinion on uh, you know Stephen A. Smith and my opinion on that kind of like argumentative hot take inciting style of media that's popular in politics is spread to big sports and just pretty much mainstream media um, in general. Uh, Rogan seemed to echo those thoughts in his own way. Um, and then, of course, it just started, you know, Stephen A. Smith response video. And then since then, it's been everybody sharing their opinions from Nate Diaz to media members to fans. Um, and... Uh, and it's funny, it's just, it's either one side or the other, like everything. People are just dying on one side or the other, as I have here in my notes. And it's just, it's silly. I mean, even even with my stance of not liking him, that doesn't mean, you know. I, okay, let me just say, I totally get why people would be okay with him. Um, whether you are a fan of his or that style, that's totally fine. Again, I... I I even said this before, like, I get it. I'm not mainstream sports guy, so there's a lot of that that I'm missing, in my um, opinion. So I, I, I readily admit that. Um, and I, I think you got to factor that in when you're like, no, what the fuck is Dan Tom? or fucking Buzz Killington over there? Doesn't like Stephen A. Smith. But um, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy to see everybody, you know, dying, dying on one side. Like, it's okay to dislike Smith and be okay with growth, like. That's the thing people are like, well, you know, and they're using that ban analogy, which is fine and accurate. I mean, I'm not even saying it's wrong. It's actually especially accurate toward me. Again, I admit that I'm a hipster all the time, and I am totally that hipster, especially with that ban analogy of like, once the ban gets cool, it's like, uh, they kind of lose some points with me, and I definitely have some of that within, within me, and I'm accounting for that as well. I'm, admit, I'm admitting that. But that doesn't mean you know, that I'm against growth of the sport. I'm all about growth of the sport. I just, you know, would have liked more deserving people in that spot uh, that is also under the ESPN name. Now, those people are fine with it. In fact, certain those people are, are towing the line, self-admittedly so, towing the line for um, Stephen A. Smith. Um, but, and so I get that, you know, and, and so if someone's going hard, it's like, okay, well, what team are they on? Or maybe this guy over here is going hard. You got to look at motives because a, a lot of the BS stuff in media, it's more of just like people beefing it out with each other and using a topic to do so, which is kind of funny if you read between the lines. Um, so whatever your reason, hell, even if like, and again, this is coming from a self-admitted contrarian who will take unpopular sides and argue them. Um, I'm not against that. And I understand that. But I also just feel like there's a lot of that going on, which, again, I do it myself. I'm a fucking hypocrite if I said there was a problem with it. I guess I'm just more perplexed as to this is the guy? This is the topic that we're going to dig our heels and and make, make the contrarian stance on? And 
And I just find that funny. And again, it's okay to disagree. That's something that I think we all need to keep in mind, right? But I, I just, you know, and then, and then, and, and then there's the fortifying the argument off of one thing slash fact, and I use that as air quote. And that's my least favorite form of arguing, because it's very, it's very ignorant. Not only are you further securing your side and giving no ground, no acknowledgement. Now you don't have to agree, but at least acknowledge that there is a gray zone, or at least acknowledge that there is another side of the argument. And that's the problem that I have. It's not your opinion on on one side or the other, no matter the topic. I could give a shit less. What pisses me off is when people are so fucking sure that they dig their heels in. And when they dig their heels in, they will either start attaching things to further their point that maybe don't belong there. Like invoking like, you know, the martial arts way of inclusivity, which is bullshit because um, not only does the martial arts way have, have nothing to do with the, you know, uh, Stephen A. Smith's... Um, this topic of him but like if we want to talk about inclusivity like i know martial arts gets you know um stereotyped with zen or whatnot but inclusivity is not the right word in fact um the martial arts have, have been exclusive you know uh you know, are my arts better than yours it starts better and then when people like bruce lee would go and try to change those boundaries there was huge huge backlash uh, political, behind the scenes, and so forth. Um, it's never been an inclusive thing. Now, mixed martial arts has forced us to kind of confront a lot of these, and, and mixed martial arts has had us tear down. And in in a sense, sure, mixed martial arts has been a bit more inclusive in that way. But of course, which I do agree with people using that band analogy, they're totally right. Um, but we do fall into more of that band analogy. I think that take is a little more correct. Because um, it really has nothing to do with, with, with martial arts. It's just, it's just your taste, folks, and it's okay to disagree. But apparently, you know, it, it's not okay to disagree. And not only do you get these silly arguments, whether they're online or they're between, like, notable people like Stephen A or they're between media members or whoever, um, I just hate that whole fortifying your argument over one fact and, you, you know, whether it's like, uh, oh, what, so the guy didn't do... Uh, compete mixed martial arts. It means you can't. Means you can't talk about fighting. It's like no, no one's saying that. Well, well, this person doesn't do more, and they talk about fighting. Or this guy doesn't. Need, they coach. Like those are those are all very true, and, and nobody, nobody, nobody's saying that. But if you are going to speak very assured, you have to be vetted in one way or another by experience, and know just because he was at UFC 241 or UFC 41 covering it back in the day doesn't mean he's been covering UFC back in the day. Was he at those other ones? No. And even Stephen A. Smith said himself he wasn't covering it then. He just actually would show up as a fan. And credit to him for being a fan. And I do believe it when people say that he is a fan. And much respect to him. And I'm sure he's a, he's a blast behind the scenes. So I'm not coming at his character. I'm just I'm just not a fan of that style of media in general. Which, unfortunately, for someone like Stephen A. Smith, is not going to make me the biggest fan of him. But do I hate him? No. Do I think he should never be on a broadcast again? I mean, I wouldn't hate it if he did, you know, it, I wouldn't miss him, but no, I'm not trying to fucking tell anybody what they sh where they should and shouldn't go. Who, who the fuck am I? Um, but this whole thing of just invoking things and, and quote-unquote facts and for, without even acknowledging there's another side to it, like, it's okay to dislike Stephen A. Smith and be okay with growth. It's okay to like Stephen A. Smith and understand why other people are a little more hardcore with the sport. You don't have to agree with those people. You don't have to take the same stance, but God forbid do we have to... Is, is, is it so hard to understand that there's two sides to an argument and that, like, 
both sides may have like valid points and it's nothing we need to kill each other over. Like, can, can we have a fucking discourse? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and if uh, so, that, that's that's all I'm gonna say on it. Um, I, and uh, and yeah, I mean, again, it, it's it's it just when you when you're arguing this or anything else, folks, just try to acknowledge the other side. You don't have to agree. Just acknowledge, and not only would you be, you know, appeasing stupid Dan Tom who's ear beating you, which not, I'm not asking you, nor should you even give a shit about me, but like, it'll actually make you look better. It'll make you look better for selfish reasons. And it'll actually help you in your, if, since arguing is so important. And if winning the argument is so important or whatever, you're just an arguer, it'll actually help your arguing when you steal the thunder and acknowledge the side. It makes your points much stronger and it makes you come off much better as a person. God forbid. I mean, oh, or, you know, we could just keep red team versus bluing team each other, and it was, that fucking works so well. It's very uniting. Gets us far. <sighs> Anyways, I wrote heavyweight title picture here, Steep ADC. Um, not much to say there. I, I'm not sure why I wrote this, but, like, I, I've said this before, and I'm not piling on, but it, it, it does suck, and I know I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of DCs, and I just know a lot of people who he's touched personally, and he's just a legit nice dude, and we don't really get a lot of... You can't really say that with confidence, I should say, with a lot of the people in our sport. Um, so to see, you know, Stipe kind of doing this game that he's doing, and I hope his health is okay, but at the same time, he's calling on names like Nagano, calling for boxing matches again, which he did before. Um, and it's just like, how are you going to, even if you were serious about that, how do you expect traction when you give the media nothing on your good days, on your bad days, when you're champion, when you're not, you, you treat us kind of like shit, uh, in the interviews, like you just, you don't give a shit, which is fine. Fucking, I wouldn't like doing interviews either as a fighter, but like, don't, don't, you know, you're, you're going to get butt hurt when we don't get behind you wanting to crossover boxing or you wanting a rematch. Like even the fans and the media and the general pop, like, yeah, I mean, like I said, folks, and, and I'm I'm sure Stipe is a nice guy, but he's not doing the best job at portraying that. Um, he didn't when he lost, but I believe, I'm of the thought that you actually show more of your character quietly in how you win. And sore losers, I can forgive, especially in this game, in the moment when you just got beat up. But sore winners, I have a hard time empathizing with. Sore winners are some of the worst. Um, so hopefully Steve A can show a better account of himself. Um, because, you know, he's, he's, he's a fun guy to watch. And he's really talented, and I hope his health is okay. I genuinely do. I just, yeah, that just eh, leaves a sour taste. Um, all right, last of, the, uh, last of the somewhat serious topics. It's not even that serious of a topic, believe it or not, to, to me, which is the point I tried to make, but I guess it got lost. Which was the Zay Zay, J, J, Joanna and Jacek and Zang controversy over the uh, coronavirus memes and other really other things JJ did. First of all, let me state, and I shouldn't have to state this to you guys because, like, if you listen to this podcast, you know. Which is just the irony that I was trying to get across online is like, I make I, I, I'm one of the last people you're gonna offend with racial jokes, um, much less Asian jokes. I've made I've made all of them here, folks. I would be a hypocrite if I were. Outrage offended, um, or anything like that. I hate this outrage culture. I do not use that word outrage except for when explaining that I don't like this outrage culture. 
Um, I hate when people try to get campaigns for things. I don't try to do them for positive things, even for, for promotional things for myself when I should. Why would I do it for something negative? However, yes, I did post and share my thoughts because I did have thoughts and I did have a perspective that was that was valid. Um, and not just because, oh, because you're Asian and you spent time in China and you're Chinese. Or No, I brought that up simply as a, as a two-parter. One, to set up the fact that it's the reason why I someone who generally doesn't have an opinion and tries to stay clear of these things for good reason, as we can see, um, on why uh, I would even post an opinion, which I felt was actually very measured, um, which we'll get to in a second. And then it also was a one-two whammy where it sets up the fact, the second following tweet within the same thread that came literally right after, which was yeah, uh, that I was not offended, nor am I taking it personally. Um, the only reason why I used the word disappointed, which was the word I didn't call Joanna Njajic racist, I said she was ethnically, you know, I used the word ethnic insensitivity, which people like are hanging on to. And like this one fucking idiot, like, I don't even know his name. He probably made it so hard, some Harold Bra or something. I don't know. You can find him in my thread and, and trash him because he's got like no followers. And like you see, he's just like attacking women, injured fighters, fighters coming off of losses. Like these are the people he spends his energy commenting toward. And uh, he was just, like, coming at, saying, like, oh, he was using that for, like, his whole argument. And I'm like, um, ethnic is used to describe a populace or culture. And um, China's populace is being hurt by a really fucking scary virus right now um, that's spreading. And they have a history of that because culturally, again, we're all dancing within the word ethnic that apparently was of wrong usage, which I posted the definition and just fucking dunked on them. Um, but like, it was like, you know, and, and culturally I'm like, yeah, these, 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 these people have, 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 have suffered a lot. Like it, it's not exactly punching up, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not exactly having fun. I'm all about comedy for intent, but you you know, and, and people were like, oh, comedy is the best way to make light of things. Believe me. I know. Why do you think I have such a dark fucking humor? Because I've actually been through not more than anybody else. There's a lot of people that have been through more and I use those for inspiration and I hold those people up high, whether I'm covering them or on this podcast. But yeah, I've been through some decent life adversity than most myself and my my coping mechanism is fucking humor and silliness. I absolutely believe that. But you're going to tell me that Yodi and Jaychik, she was offering coping humor for the people of China when she posts uh, her doing the slant eye thing, when she posts the coronavirus making fun of it and then she essentially doubles down with an apology saying stop being a bitch stop being a pussy like it's it's not a good look and the reason why i use disappointed is not because i'm trying to be some like again white knight there's plenty of ways and words i could have used it and still been in the right by the way but i didn't use those words um and i'm not trying to be like as like bill burr would say you know i'm trying to, trying to be like <laughs> the jolly the jolly white politician man that is just impossible and the Terrible. <laughs> uh, no, I, I use the word disappointed because I because I'm a JJ fan. I'm gen, I, I'm a fan of her style. Um, I wasn't kind of a, a fan of her until we kind of saw more of her and and more of these kind of again. This is and that's another thing. This is the first you know telling Gadelia to go back to the jungle and, and other uh, things that she she said and, and referenced and it it you know and she moved here. Does the you know money the got a new car, some plastic surgery, just doing that whole American thing. Good for her. She's making money. I hope she's happy. But that's not those kind of images, those kind of things are they don't do much for me. 
you know, just like the whole hypocrisy. Like, look what I have. Look what I have. You know, that doesn't. You know, she she she, she hasn't really made herself an empathetic character. How she treated you know uh, Rose in the buildup and subsequent fights. Like, yeah, she didn't make herself the most empathetic character. So maybe I'm not a fan of her in that sense. Like many fighters, obviously, um, which you really can't be. <laughs> but like, I'm a fan of her style. Absolutely. Am I still a fan of her style? Fuck yeah. I'm still leaning. Am I still leaning toward her? At least thinks she should be the deserving favorite against Zank? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to let it get in the way. It just was a bummer because the reason why it was disappointing is because I am a fan of her. But it was so funny because all these people who couldn't admit their fandom, which it would have to be the only reason. Either that or they just are really kind of just supporting that kind of a message. We're just, we're re it's funny. They were reaching so hard to defend. And they would reach with obscene examples, like that same character who I referenced was like, if this was another country, would uh, would you would you have uh, would you have said that, or is it just because it's it's China? Like China has some kind of privilege, like, dude, like like Ch China slash Asian Asians, like, <laughs> dude, we're last in the totem pole as far as like Western radar and sympathies go, man. Like, and that's traditionally how it's always been. Um, toward the Western and, like, European worlds, like, uh, to quote Ronnie Chang, that great Netflix special, like, there's no Schindler's List for Chinese people. <laughs> Again, because, like, essentially, just a quick round of people, just, just and we'll move, I'll move on and get out of here, but, like, yeah, China was sipping tea, wearing silk and talking politics while the rest of the world, or mainly, like, Europe was, like, you know, still living in caves and throwing feces at each other. The problem, you know, China had a lot of good years, don't get me wrong, but they, they stayed behind their wall too long. And by the time the Industrial Revolution came around, they were behind the eight ball. And they got fucked up by Japan. They got big brother. They got occupied. And not only were the deaths more than what... The, and I'm not trying to split hairs, especially with my Jewish brothers and sisters. I mean, you want to talk about fucking people, you know, culture of people that have been through some shit. Look no further than my Jewish brothers and sisters. But the Japanese killed more Chinese, not only than the... Germans kill Jews, which wrap your head around that. But the numbers were uncountable. I mean, they were finding in graves upwards of 250,000 within one week. Just one burial site. Stringing up pregnant women, running the bayonet practices, testing their versions of chemical warfare and uh, nuclear or nuclear weapons. Um, and then when Japan got out, guess who stepped in? The Chinese government almost stepped in and started doing it to their own people. Government testing. Anytime there's protesting... You saw Tiananmen Square. They'll run over their fucking own people with tanks. They've gotten quieter since then, but believe me, even since I've been going to college, late 90s, early 2000s, reports finding burial sites of these people being tested on. Um, they finally changed their one baby rule uh, because no one was wanting girls, and there were girls being adopted, abandoned. And this is an old school uh, wives' tale, but there's truth to it. If they were born in the Tiger year, which I think Zhang might have been, um, they were drowned because not only was it a woman that wasn't going to be able to pass your name on, um, they believe so much in that horoscope shit that, which I get, I'm not shitting on you if you believe in it. I, I grew up with it. Okay. My family believes in that stuff. I'm not, I'm not shitting on you, but they believe so strongly in it. Like that, because the, 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 the female tiger, it's going to, a female and born in the year, a tiger is going to be a strong woman and you can't have a strong woman in that culture. Um, again, I'm Asian, but I'll be the first to admit, uh, Asians, Chinese, and a lot of other Asian culture, they don't exactly treat the women. They don't have a, a, the best record of treating women the best. Um, what's another stereotype? You know, they're, they're, these people are so poor. They're having to, like, kind of like, uh, uh, 
Ari Shafir was sharing their stories, like they're using like shit within their their uh, and sewage to for grease to cook their food, and they're cooking, you know, eating insects, bugs, you know. Uh, I remember being in China and we got to our third city and I was like, "Hey guys, you notice um, have you guys seen any? You know, it's probably funny. Like, I mean, we, the last leg of the trip was in Beijing and we're like, whoa, Beijing finally, it's Western civilization. Maybe it's gotten better, but back in the early 2000s, year 2000." Uh, pre and post 9-11, like, you had to go to Beijing if you wanted the fake TGI Fridays, the fake McDonald's and KFC. So we're, like, loading up by the time we got there. All our training is done, right? We, we already, we're already done with northern China. And I, I'm pretty sure this is the moment where we're, like, you know, licking our fingers on the bus, like, mm, oh, that was good. You know, leaving the TGI Fridays, and I'm the asshole. I kinda, and, but it was a true observation. I look around, and I go, hey, guys, y'all seen any dogs or cats around here? Because I haven't seen any in any city we've been in, and there's a large population here, obviously, we're in China. No dogs or cats? And everybody's kind of just stops kind of slowly, like, looking at their finger and thinking about what they just did. We all start thinking about what we've eaten over this trip. <laughs> but I, I bring up that culture, I bring up the women thing, and I bring up the food and the dogs thing specifically because... Now you fast forward to the year 2020, there's still a lot of problems with the government, there's still a lot of problems with their human rights. All these things are bad, if not worse, considering the quote-unquote threat, um, economic and otherwise, that China could be slash be becoming, right? You have a, one of their budding stars, their fighting champions, one of their only champions in any, anything major sports-wise. Wei Lei Zhang is a female, a fucking female. And it's a fighting sport where not only is she a strong female, she shows it's all about showing her strength. And, and you know, chi Chinese, they're not, don't seem the nicest or not, 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 not too apt to want to learn English. And what is she doing? She's learning English, showing nothing but smiles. She's got the dog with her. She's got her own dog. Like just breaking that stereotype alone. Like you don't see a Chinese person with a dog. And this is coming from a Chinese person. I mean, I, I, I hate that stereotype. You know, by the way, and I'm not picking on my Filipino brothers and sisters. Um, I get mistaken for Filipinos a lot. And Filipinos usually are the ones with that stereotype. And unfortunately, Manny Pacquiao didn't help that by sharing that his dad ate his dog. So believe me, I'm not trying to further that stereotype upon them or my or any of my other Asian and brothers and sisters, but we don't have exactly the best reputation for things. And what she stands for, it's just, it's really ridiculous. I mean, you know, when, when you add in the culture and obviously, Joanna, you know, she's just sharing a tweet. Should she be thinking about that? No, no. If we want to take that simplistic form of view, I agree with you. No. But at the same time, you also got to understand why it's such a big deal for her to be champion and why it's kind of fucked up to pick that of all things to make fun of it. And yeah, I know other fighters, maybe Angela Hill shared it. Angela Hill has kind of already made her brand of a funny fighter or whatever. And so she is more, I'm sure, more than willing to uh, stand behind whatever she shares and doesn't share. But she's in a different position. Not only is she not you know, as popular or you know, a, a figure, a world, former world champion with a high following like Yan Jacek, but Yan Jacek actually obviously fighting Zhang. I believe that's a headliner spot, is it not? But either way, like the, the more eyes on her, and like I said to someone on Twitter, it, I don't like that. I don't necessarily agree with that, but whether or not we like or agree with that, folks, when you are on a higher platform, it does matter. And again, I'm a fucking hypocrite. Look at all, all the, the, the voices I make. Now, I, I, I honestly feel like I, I know that my intent is not racist. I know that my intent is to punch up, to be more inclusive. Um, 
and I would like to think that my intent comes off that way most of the time. But if it doesn't, man, you know, I run that risk and I got to stand by that if I offend somebody. I have to stand by that. I have to apologize to them if I do. And I will if that time comes. And I'm sure there are plenty that has happened and, and should happen. Um, but at the same time, like, again, you can't tell me she was she was trying to, you know, aid through humor or anything like that. Um, and, and especially with the history. So uh, the reason why I guess I should, so uh, all in all to say that it's not, not, there's not, there's no, the race has nothing to do with it or that it's not ethnically insensitive or ethnic is the wrong word. You are wrong. You are factually wrong. Um, that being said, was I posting it so that you should hate JJ? No. In fact, I was saying that like, I am somebody who has a right to be sensitive coming from where I am, but even I'm not being sensitive. Even I'm being measured. I, I said, I'm sure her and her team will respond. I'm going to get the fuck on with my day. I just wanted to bring attention to something that people sadly still think is okay. Now, the community for the most part, I know I'm complaining about the negative, but for the most part, everybody with a logical mind agreed with me. Um, although there was some surprising, you know, like with like, you know, with the, the troll that I was mentioning earlier, I, I did have a surprising issue with someone I don't know if the, I don't want to say media member but someone that works in the space and that was kind of surprising there wasn't much of that and I will say just just on that like people I, I appreciate your support and your kind messages um I, I have talked to that person and squashed behind the scene we're all good so so no need no need no need for that there uh or anything like that I'm not believe me I I <laughs> if anybody knows the more important things in life especially right now it's your boy here and that that that, that has nothing to do with the Kobe Bryant stuff that just has to do with my own stuff that you guys know I'm going through and gone through and have been through. So, uh, or my family is. So, I, I believe me, I could give a shit about that stuff. So, I just want to say, don't don't propel that anymore. I appreciate your guys' support, but no need. Like we're we're cool. I'm just more speaking in generality to the trolls and that side of it because again, you could say you're not a JJ fan or whatever, but then why are why, why are y'all reaching? Like that troll said, you're reaching. People are reaching for racism. I didn't even say racism, and I'm not reaching. Like I'm stating fact. Y'all are the ones reaching. Like, what are you defending? Like, that's what I want to stop. Like, what exactly are you guys defending? Because I didn't say fucking lynch mob time. In fact, I said the opposite. In fact, I even said in the thread that, like, I hate this outrage. I'm not trying to get her in trouble or this or that. She's already gotten herself in enough trouble. I'm just curious to see the response because, again, I got more follows from that post. I got more likes than negative. So it wasn't even a bad thing. In fact, I could see why people instigate and do that because, again, you guys complain, and I don't like it either, but you don't understand. If you complain about people getting oversensitive or things you don't like, when you interact with their posts, you know you're giving that person more attention. You know that you're giving their account more interaction. You're feeding their account, and they're getting followers. And that's what I. that's the irony. Like, y'all don't see whether it's the right side, the left side, the right side, the wrong side, as you perceive it. You're actually helping the other side when you when you when you partake in this red team versus blue team bullcrap. So again, let's just acknowledge that there's two sides to the argument. You don't have to agree, but God forbid we acknowledge it. it'll make us all look better. It'll help the argument process go forward. And God forbid it actually makes us more human beings, which I I would argue is the most important part of it. Um, because seriously, like what what the hell what the hell are we arguing about? That being said, speaking of the positive people, like Oscar, you're always shooting positivity. I think everybody from Australia is just super positive. I haven't met someone from Australia I, I haven't liked or from Australasia, uh, as, as well as Control the Fight on Twitter, uh, another longtime listener and friend there on Twitter, um, saying positive stuff. Don't worry, buddy. I'm not going to cancel the podcast, and I am going to keep it positive. Um, I just, I just wanted to point out that to kind of 
educate you on how deep these things can go. It's not just some, you know, outrage culture bullshit of the day. Um, there actually is some roots there, but being someone who knows those roots and is a part of those roots, I can also take it from me. We don't have to be offended and have a lynch mob over it either. Uh, I'm very proud that because for a while, man, I mean, certain racial slurs like are, are always been a no, no for the most part and as they should be. But Asians are usually the last on that list, bro. Like people still use, you know, <laughs> a lot of things, uh, in prominent, uh, productions and it's still okay it's still considered okay so that's that was my intent as far as awareness it was actual genuine awareness not the bullshit awareness to get shares or retweets or come after anybody that was not my intention so apologies if it came off that way folks you guys should know that i'm not because the more important stuff is we move on to positive family health by the way my mom she's finally getting her surgery done uh february 20th it's coming up fast but she's on the emergency list so i'm gonna be asking for i'm not gonna pound you guys with that i've been trying not to talk about that stuff uh, i'm trying to keep it light on here despite the last 20 minutes of this podcast but i probably will be asking for positive vibes on those days i know some of you guys have just been continuing to give your positive vibes to me and my family it is very appreciated you guys are just are fucking awesome it's the reason why i do this podcast and it's the reason why it's easy to um even though I get passionate, um, it's why uh, it's easy to not get hung up because I don't get hung up. I may get passionate, sure. I'm not beyond that, man. Anybody who says it, that they're not, it's a lie. Don't listen to them. But moving past the BS, whatever it is, small stuff like in our news cycle or in life, it's a lot easier with the positive energy you guys give. Of course, we all kind of got a reminder with the Kobe passing. I was joking as why couldn't it be Shaq? <laughs> but uh, even though Shaq, you know, was a trash human being at one time, that was a long time ago. I'm sure he's changed, and uh, I would not wish, wish this on anybody, man. That's fucking terrible what happened to Kobe. I just said that Shaq thing is a joke. I even said it to a Kobe fan for what it's worth. My dude John Franklin over there, I hit, I, he's a big Shaq fan. And I was like, oh, man, why couldn't it have been Shaq? Just joking. I'm so um, But no, man, that that was that was one more broke me. Not so much the celebrity. Kobe got more in a, into one year of life than we'll get into a lifetime. So I'm sure his last days were fine, folks. It's just, uh, and maybe in the last moment, I don't think there was a falling. It was it was fog, and hopefully they just ran straight in, and there wasn't a, a, a there wasn't a, a the children on board didn't have to go through any terror because that's what broke my heart was the, finding out that the fucking kids were on board, man. You know, that fucking gets me. And, um, you know, again, if there's any silver lining to these things, you can have all the money in the world and all the fame in the world, and um, it can't protect you from life. And it can't protect your loved ones from the things in life, which is a hard thing to grasp, especially once you start having kids. So the best you can do is not pay tribute and not do that. And that's all fine that you do, um, especially if you're like big fans of his and whatnot. But it's just to live a good life and be grateful for what the fuck you do have. You know, because there's people in a wheelchair that are looking at you walk right now and you don't even realize the value of it. Um, and uh, although uh, I am very grateful to be walking, I do get a smidgen. I would dare not compare myself to a paraplegic or anything like that. But I do get a smidgen of that by just being having been forced away from uh, martial arts, from what I love, um, between just the stuff that I'm going through, uh, stuff that you know about and stuff that you don't know about still. Um, 
which also made it easier to sympathize with Lovato Jr. rounding it up in my more the, the important stuff section, you know, to give us perspective here, finish on a positive note, in, in a sense, through other people's you know negatives, unfortunately, which Lovato Jr. going through a brain thing, which I'm sympathetic toward. Between the brain stuff that my mom's going through and she's going to have to have operations for, to whatever brain stuff that I've gone through and is coming my way, Man, do I sympathize with all the fighters and their brain health, especially, you know, Lovato Jr.'s story. I, I, you know, he was very emo emotional in JRE, but I totally can get why. So um, give that guy a pass. Give that guy love. Send, 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 send some love that way. I don't care if he fights again. I just want... People, you know, the brain is just such a fucked up thing to be afflicted. You know, you get a, a torn rotator cuff, which is kind of a pain but like uh, that I have right now. But So I'll use a better example. Like a broken bone, it's easy. There's a deadline on it, but the brain, it's too, there's just your memories are attached. There's no promise in tomorrow. It's such a delicate thing. So, again, folks, before you want to get upset and defend racially insensitive posts, before you feel like it matters, uh, that, that, that everybody has to have your take on what the Stephen A. Smith situation is because he's so important to our sport, I guess, now. Um, just remember there's more important things. Uh, and if you do want to engage in friendly discussions and argue, because it's fun, it's fun to have these arguments, and just, it is. But remember that the only reason why you're having the argument is because there's another side to it. You need to acknowledge and respect that other side. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it, ever. Agree and like with what you want. It's your right. That doesn't mean you got to be a dick, or maybe not even necessarily be as strong as a dick, but that doesn't even mean you have to not, not acknowledge the other side. Um, and be insecure and hold on to one fact and, and point that in the direction to, 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 to fire off anybody who disagrees with your opinion. I mean, you can live life that way if you want, but there's just so much more important shit to do. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Ran longer than I want. Want to keep it under an hour. At least I put the important stuff up front, the positive stuff up front, and try to sum up the negative stuff with a silver lining positive note. Um, so, uh, I, I uh, will be back next week. I'll probably be operating off of a, possibly a new device here um, and have some other things set up, man. We are we are moving forward. You guys' donations are helping a lot right now, and they are definitely being uh, being used. But you don't have to donate. All all you have to do is is is, is fucking share the podcast. Give it a shout on social media. Tag at the PYM podcast for me at Dan Tom MMA. That honestly means so much more. And again, uh, other free ways if you want to support the podcast, five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes. Of course, if you shop through Amazon uh, on it, uh, I like the hemp protein myself. If you click through that banner, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, Jesus Christ, Dan, you don't know your website, which hosts this year's program, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, the iTunes, the Onnit, the PayPal donation, and the Amazon banner, which is now working. That's right. Everybody uses Amazon. I'm going to get back to reading what you... Don't just tell me your personal information. It just gives me a list of who bought what. I will get back to reading those, giving you credit for those who support the podcast. Because, again, if you don't know, if you go to Amazon, just go ahead and bookmark MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Hit that banner. It's one extra click, maybe two, technically, that you got to go through. You go right to Amazon. You do all your shopping. It doesn't charge you anything. It's just whatever you buy, it kicks back a little bit back to this year program, which again, 
I am using for this year program and it is appreciated that is the Amazon click-through. Uh, very appreciated at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. I'll be breaking down in-depth. I'll actually have some real picks in place for you. Hopefully, you enjoyed the preview. Hopefully, you can enjoy the finer, more important things in life like family and friends. Give them hugs. Uh, don't let anybody be alone in the dark. Let's be human beings. Uh, let's be better human beings out there. And who knows, maybe that good karma will reward us in degenerate ways in our picks in place. So until next time. Uh, just kidding, you actually shouldn't do that for, for picks and plays. Uh, bad karma, bad karma. You know what I'm saying, though. It doesn't hurt. Until next time, protect Yannick.